Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello folks, Edith here. Welcome along to another episode of my professional pride and joy, Soundtracking, my weekly podcast where I get to talk about film and music, two of my absolute favourite things in the world. And I feel like I've been thoroughly immersed in a lot of great film, particularly over the last couple of weeks, new films that are coming up. It's the start of London Film Festival, which means there's an abundance of things around and I've been lucky enough to get along to quite a lot of screenings. I just saw Bardo today, um, Alejandro's new film, which uh, you'll definitely be hearing from him in a while, Martin McDonough's new film, um, Luca Guadagnino's new film as well, amongst many, many others. But stay tuned, folks, because there'll be more of that later. But our guest this week is, I've got to say, one of my favourite humans ever to interview and someone who is in no small part the reason that soundtracking exists. I remember the first time I ever interviewed this gentleman, it was down the line, as they call it in radio terms, which means he was in another part of the world in a studio somewhere with the power of technology before kind of we were all thoroughly kind of, you know, used to Zooms and all that kind of thing. And he was eating porridge. There we go. Anyway, David O'Russell is an absolute master when it comes to using music in his films, evidenced by his latest film, which I loved, Amsterdam, scored by our good old pal, Daniel Pemberton. Now, what I loved about this film, many things. Christian Bale is playing a character that you've never seen him play before. And there's so many beautiful delicacies to this character. And I think that part of that is because, as you hear David talk, he's been involved in this whole idea for this film from the very, very start. The chemistry between all the main actors in this film is exquisite. So we've got Christian Bale, John David Washington, Margot Robbie, Andrea Riseborough. You've got Mike Myers and Michael Shannon and what is one of my favourite new double acts. It's very, very funny. And that's the great thing about it. It's got a unique tone to it. It's a kind of caper, but it's got some beautiful themes running through it as well. And I, I loved it. I really, really did. I think it's just, it's a different film for David as well in terms of tonally. So Plenty more from David shortly. First, a word from our friends at Vintage Cash Cow. Now, I love a clean out. I love just going through and finding the things that I never use, I never wear, and thinking about their, them having another life, about having another use, uh, especially heading into winter, which generally requires a lot of decluttering in my house. And that's usually a pretty stressful task, if I'm being honest, even with the music played in, given that most of my drawers and cupboards are full of things that, let's be honest, right now, but hopefully my husband isn't listening to this, haven't seen the light of day in years. Well, Vintage Cash Cow makes selling your old valuables easy because you won't have to deal with selling items individually. Valuables will be reused, which is good for reducing waste and tackling climate change. Fill a box with jewellery, cameras, coins, vintage toys, so much more. Post for free or arrange a collection, and within a week you'll get a cash offer. If you accept, you'll feel better knowing your unused things have become part of the circular economy. You'll have a more relaxing, spacious home and a clear head. Vintage Cash Cow has great reviews on Trustpilot, 
And right now are offering listeners a £20 bonus with the code SOUNDS. Another reason to put some music on, have a rummage and fill a box of vintage cash cow today. So listen, we've got over 300 episodes of this podcast. So why not just start at the beginning, put it on, have a good clear out and then it could be ka-ching. So if you feel inspired, head to vintagecashcow.co.uk now, enter the code SOUNDS on the sign-up page and get £20 extra when you sell. That's vintagecashcow.co.uk with the code SOUNDS. And so to Mr David O'Russell and his extraordinary new film Amsterdam, we'll begin with one of Daniel Pemberton's cues as recommended by the man himself, Welcome to My World. Now, I should say just before we start that David and I started nattering before the technical team had actually started recording and then kind of didn't stop. We just kept going, which is why there is a slightly unconventional start to this interview as well as the ending. Which is what her character does, and she also, as we're going to talk about, uh, sings in French and English. Yeah. No. She. I mean, I actually messaged your composer of the film, Daniel, who's who I've known for a long time, Daniel Pemberton. We love Daniel. He was great, the mad genius Einstein musical composer that he is, and I just said that what I loved about the film was just you. It's just a unique being. There are mm. so many unique voices. Mm. It's a unique tone that I feel like I've never really experienced before and and also like you know we talked about the costumes just so many elements to it that are so unique to this film that I just loved it I thought it was so great thank you thank you thank you I can feel your enthusiasm which is how we felt about it Christian and I building it over six years Margot became part of the conversation for about three years or four years Uh, De Niro J.D. Washington Chris Rock Myers they all come in and because that's how I do it you feel that you feel that you feel within the performances that they've had freedom that they've had 
the opportunity to to help sculpt and mould and breathe those characters along with you in collaboration. You really feel that, I think, in the film. It should be that, because, and thank you for feeling that, because that, that's, that's what we, Margot said it's the longest collaboration she's ever had of, of the creation of a character. Mm -hmm. And it's the first picture that Christian Bale has produced. He produced it with me yeah. because we birthed it together in a diners of, of California where we would sit you know, a writer, when writing for 30 years, you get you don't want to be alone so much. And so it's nice to get up and go and meet Christian in the diner two or three times a week and record what you're talking about that you're getting inspired by, creating a character in a world that you're both really excited about. What was the catalyst for it? Because I know from, from reading various things that this, the, the end product of this film, you know, various screenplays along the way to the end product to get there to to the final story and the characters. But what was the what was the catalyst for either the character that he plays or the story or the time or what was there a specific thing that I don't know wanted you to take it further to explore the the character? We were in an ongoing conversation about started maybe six years ago, or, or more, seven, before the madness had really started to unspool uh, in the world. And uh, we were naturally drawn, maybe by a divining rod or divine guidance, to a period that I found fascinating, because when I really learned about it, I felt, wow, this is what's been happening for 100 years. It's, it's not just still happening. It's not just fifty years old. It's not. Just, it's it's a, over a hundred years old. This particular, and you want it to feel contemporary. Like all of our the period films we studied were seventies films that feel contemporary, mm -hmm. even though they were period films. So that's always what meant the most to us. We loved the idea of creating a character who had two great friends, like in Jules and Jim, that he had a he had a best friend. And we meet them, and we know they've been through a lot together. They, the scars are on their faces and on their backs. We don't know what it is, but they've been through something, and they will do anything for each other. And they're sort of ramshackle fixers. If you have a problem, you go to Dr. Burt Berenson <laughs> up on 138th Street. We love these idea of these two fixers mm. who are just these warm, big-hearted guys who had been through it and were nobody's fool. And uh, Harold Woodman, an attorney, both scholarship students who had been through it and would help anybody who, who needed help. So that was the genesis of mm. it, creating a character. We're always trying to create outsiders. All my characters are outsiders, if you look at all the movies. And even the insiders in this film are outsiders, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Working with Christian, this is your third film working with him? Yes. But working with him in such a collaborative it kind of almost feels like the friendship we see on screen is an extension of the friendships that's developed between you two in real life. Is that fair? I think it's very fair to say. Yeah. I think it's very fair to say. We, we always put your personal stories. There's many personal stories in the film, which I can tell you, that are from my life or his life, mm. or things he remembers from my life that I didn't remember. There's an expression, uh, eyebrows up, which um, he remembers that my older son, when he was young, when, when your eyebrows are down, it's very uh, uh, stern. <laughs> yeah. and so, so, you're not listening. <laughs> stern. So eyebrows up means your your heart's open, you're vulnerable, and you're surprised, <laughs> intrigued, maybe even amazed, if not shocked. So eyebrows up can mean a lot of things. And he would say that to me, and he remembered it, and I'd forgotten it. 
Um, That's lovely. And he would say, uh, eyebrows up, mate. <laughs> Love that. I've got a similar phrase with my nine-year-old because he never looks at people when he either says hello or goodbye. And I'm like, eyes and highs and eyes and buys That's is nice. my thing to kind of try and, you know. Good on you. Get him to engage and just, you know, kind of make that eye contact. I think it's, it's everything. It's very important. Mm. And, I, and, I, and, I, you, and the, in the age of... Uh, Devices, you, it's lost, uh, and, and 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 a lot of parents let it happen. I say, no, no, no. We must connect with people. We must mm-hmm. look them in the eye, and uh, give them the respect. I know how much, how big a part music plays in your in your whole process. From you know when you're writing to to write through to the voice and the purpose and the the beautiful journey that music can have in your films. You know whether it's you know Duke Ellington or Led Zeppelin, you know, or or with your composers and stuff. What was the kind of the sonic wish for this film in terms of, you know, there's, it's, it's the 30s in, in the States. Did you want to embrace that or how did you approach that whole conversation around music and, and I guess the, the importance of it within this film? I, have my, I always have my magic playlists, my treasure troves, mm-hmm. right, that are my secret gems that have not been listened to. And when you play them, people go, what's that? You know, and, and you're always looking for things that feel timeless. Yeah. So we don't want we don't we want things to feel timeless and magical. And I would say my favorite movies do feel that way. Mm. They, you never want to feel uh, that you're literally doing a period. This is my first epic film, I would say, in the sense that it covers, in the sense of Doctor Zhivago, it covers people over a period of years, fifteen or twenty years, who are together and very close, mm. and then lose each other. And then refined each other, and that's with Margot Robbie. So there was lots of key, beautiful pieces of music that I had, but it changed, Edith. You know, it evolved with the movie, and mm-hmm. I would play this on set. It's hard to beat big noise from Winnetka, as just the energy of it, even though it had been used, um, I think, iconically in Raging Bull. Did you that, play that when De Niro was around? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> but, but, well, we would play the part that was not in Raging Bull. <laughs> okay. So, we, so, we, so we, 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 which, which, there's a whole, that's such a big, beautiful piece of yeah. music that has almost the gusto and oomph almost of a punk uh, rhythm section. Mm. I mean, they are just, they're just way ahead of their times in that, in that piece of music. So it's got many pieces to it, not just the piece that was used in Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. So we would play it, and you'd instantly feel the energy on the set elevate when you wanted that energy. made discoveries as we went along. And there are other pieces of music that we love that made the whole journey. So, for example, uh, the song Peanuts, which is a a Cuban song, Mm -hmm. I believe, you know, became a song that Bert Berenson, Dr. Bert Berenson, as a doctor doing anything to help people, and he's trying to make medicines long before they existed for pain and nerves, if you've been through stuff. Mm -hmm. He said, we needed medicines that hadn't been invented yet. You know, he's trying to do that and experimenting on himself. 
I've fallen on his face sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes it really works. And somebody says, I think this one's working. And then he falls on his face and goes, oh, shoot. <laughs> and, his, and his trusted aides are, you know, I hope this is better than the last one. You know, and uh, because they needed it to get through the day. You come back from going through something uh, in a global historic event, a war or whatever, mm -hmm. and you want to participate in life. You don't want to be confined. You know, so you need something to help get you through the day. So Peanuts is a song that he was always singing. And he would sing with his with his patients. His office was to be a ramshackle place up in uptown near Harlem where I knew many doctors from my uh, family or friends of my family who, whether they were uh, Jews or Italians, worked in Harlem. It was, it was a very mixed area. Mm -hmm. And uh, the great legendary producer Robert Evans's father was a doctor in Harlem. So that's Bert. And if you needed help, you go to him. And he sends you over to Harold Woodman if it's legal. But he would sing, mm -hmm. and that's he's singing Peanuts with his patients. He's like, come on, we're going to lift our spirits up. You know, the, the whole spirit of the movie, in the spirit of George O'Keefe and these artists, is you choose. You don't let the world choose for you mm. what your spirit is. Yeah. It's all you've got. And, and, and this is a runner for all my pictures. You got to choose optimism. What are you going to get from the other one? You got to choose what makes you love life. A piece of music, some friends, getting together, a dance. What, what, what do you get a kick out of it? What's funny? Mm -hmm. What's funny? And you want to maintain that all day. Because the other side it's is... the best drug. That's exactly correct. And Because otherwise you go down into the abyss. And it's all too easy. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Jack Nicholson once asked many years ago, if you had any life advice to give, what would it be? He said, And he said, I'd say, what's he going to say to this? This man who's had an epic mosaic of a life that has been often messy, but wonderful and inspiring and artistic. He said, try to incline yourself upwards as much as possible, because it's far too easy to tilt down. And every day you're going to be invited to tilt down mm -hmm. and go down and think about the things that make you feel down. And he goes, just, you get nothing from it. And um, this is born from my experience as a person as well, that I've suffered myself were moments where I was paralyzed by just the wrong moods. I learned I didn't get a darn thing from it. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it just, took life out of me. So I came out of it and said, F that, you know, I'm not, I'll do anything but that. Uh, I'll sing a song. I'll remember a poem. This has been my idle time driving or walking around because my brain left to its own devices. Our brain will very often just drift to thinking about stuff that's garbagey or conflicty. And it's on its own path, isn't it? Your brain sometimes. Absolutely. You can say that again. Yeah. Did you find that? I mean, yeah, totally. I think, you know, I think that that's kind of, I think that that's something I really got from the film as well, was about this, how these three individuals, one of them's always kind of on a decline and the other two or the other one is there to kind of go, no, 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 this way. Exactly. Don't go that way. We're going to go this way, whether it's the nonsense song or, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's these, they're just these beautiful moments, whether it's the two of them or the three of them, yeah. that it's almost instinctive, those yeah. friendships to kind of, no, no, not that way, this way. 
Well, it's the friendships I think you want to have. Yeah. You know, and you hopefully find or you're wishing to find. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who have your back no matter what. People you can always call up and say, I need to spend time with you. You know, I find the music does that though as well. That you, oh no no you no no have, no no precisely. You can have a piece of like you can have you can you know I'm I'm sure you have as well. But there are pieces of music that I you know I if I need a moment I'll go in the car and I'll blast it out and I'll literally lose a lung from singing it so loud and I come back and you feel euphoric you feel oh that's okay that's all dealt with now. Music has this physical ability and that's what I love about the way that you use it in your films as well and that you. Your characters embrace it in a way, you know. I mean, I was listening back to one of our previous conversations, and we were we were talking about the um, Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle with the Marigolds and the Live and Let Die, and just about how that's her that's her moment to release and just get everything out. And that was an amazing example for me of kind of just that marriage of music and emotion and narrative and character and all those things that need to come together in synergy in filmmaking. I think. I think you've said it perfectly. I call it the holy trifecta. <laughs> the holy what? Holy trifecta. <laughs> That's great. You know, the holy trifecta is is emotion, character, and music, with story in there as sort of the rhythm section. Mm. You know, and so that you feel that you're breathing the moment mm. with them. You know, you want to feel, and music does that for you. And in your, in my favorite movies, I'm I'm literally I'm breathing those moments. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all coming in at the same time, all those levels, right? It's like being with people when you've had a moment where music is doing that. And what you've said about going into a car and singing is, is exactly perfectly said. I sometimes say, wow, you know, some famous rock stars have partners who say sometimes they, they've said in their autobiographies, you know, Springsteen, for example, his wife will sometimes say, uh, oh, we're at this place again. You're off tour. It's a big come down, and it's time. It takes. He says it in the biography. I, she brings him to a doctor and says, "Give this man a pill <laughs> because because he's about to go farther down than he needs to go." And yeah. so you need a floor. So music for me, I can, I sometimes go to music like that. I'm like, I need to listen to a certain piece of music right now, um. like stat. You know, I, 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 like you're breaking open a, 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 one of those EpiPens when you, ha- when you have an allergic reaction. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need, I need it to save my, myself right now. And the music will do that for yeah. me. And so many pieces of music will do that for me. There's nothing like it. There's, I could name a few off the top of my head, but we can go back to, we can, should we go back to the picture? Or yeah, I, I want to talk about the... Peanut song is that for Burp, but you go ahead. You leave no, 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 no. But, but the nonsense, the idea of the nonsense song, such a beautiful thing and it's a thing I think as well that I kind of came away from the film and I've got to do that with my kids or I think it's some it's a it's a simple little thing within your film that you one of the many things you could take away from it is that something that came from you and Christian in terms of that idea of that yes just just being with kids you love to the freedom Christian does as well of when you suddenly go down to that place where you're just making animal sounds you know and you're crawling around making animal sounds we were always looking for moments when that could happen. And the nonsense song, again, the, these people are facing horror. Yeah. You know, they're facing, they're facing uh, blood and metal being blown into their bodies as a part of their story. And the question is, how do you pick yourself back up from that? And that's a madness that can never be explained. The world is full of madness mm. if you let it. And it will become your madness if you let it. Yeah. Unless you say, oh, I'm going to make my own... Happy madness. 
not I'm gonna, gonna sing my madness. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. And so, the, and, and this was born of that time. They they would put in, they'd put just random words. It's like let the unconscious speak. Mm. Put random words in a hat, pull them out, mm. let the unconscious make up, and then you make up a melody that starts to find itself, and then it starts to find harmonies. And the words are in French, mouchoir, pamplemousse, <laughs> uh, la sole rouge. <laughs> You know, so good. I mean, and and then they start singing, and then they start harmonizing it, and this is their bond mm. um, that they did that together, and they understood each other. And I also like that it's their calling card to the De Niro character, yeah. who they eventually need to help save them. Yeah. He says, I remember you, but I've met thousands of people. Because he's based on Hitler. There's a lot of true history in the picture. I know. That's, that little clip at the end where you see the, you know, De Niro's character, then you see the real footage, and you, it does kind of take your breath away, and you go, oh, my God, because you have that statement at the start, you know, about some of the things in this film are true. You're like, whoa, how did you find that? Where did you, how did you well, find well, out just, about him more? Because he's based on, I wrote it down actually, because he's. Well, we, 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 hold on, we're not going to say. No, okay. But let people discover it. Okay, yeah. Because okay, I'm, yeah. I'm not here to teach people history. I'm here just to have fun with a movie that people are going to love. And then they're going to come out and say, oh, I want to ask questions about this. I want to read something. I yes, want to yeah. check. I want to look it up. You know, so they'll find who these people are because that's, that's what it was for Christian and I as friends discovering the story. So we, we started going into this history. We look at Ken Burns' jazz history. We look at big pictures. Of, there was one that we loved in particular called The True Welcome, which is very powerful if you've not watched it. No. You ever watch his history? No, I haven't. Actually. Oh, it's really good. Uh, the True Welcome is beautiful. It's narrated by all these uh, principally black uh, artists from the period who knew them. The true welcome is the real thing that music and jazz, mm. and, and it says to you, you're welcome if you'd like to come into this music with us. If you feel this music, and you need to be welcomed sometimes, mm. and you need to be embraced, and, and you just need to dance or hear, sit and listen to it. And the true welcome is what music was at these big clubs like Roseland Ballroom and we look at a picture of those big pictures like Ouija. The photographer was a big inspiration for us with Chivo, Emmanuel Lubeski, mm -hmm. our, our cinematographer. And as was Vivian Mayer, the photographer, all those photographs. And you'd see hundreds of people in a dance hall in a period where, you know, there's supposed to be people staying in their own groups. And you'd say, well, not at this party. <laughs> and you'd say, well, and you'd zero in on this huge picture and say, look at these two best friends. Uh, who look very different. Yeah. What's their story? Their story's not been recorded. And maybe we're going to tell that story, right? And it is true that, because we kept diving into real history, it is true that this particular regiment that John David Washington was in, which is based on a true regiment, uh, which we could talk about for hours, 
there was a doctor put in there who they needed they to feel they could trust. Yeah. Because they felt they had officers who would let them die. And they said, we're not going to participate now until you give us someone who we can trust. So they find, they dig up this guy who's an outsider himself. He's sort of a ramshackle doctor who married above his station from a working family, a scholarship kid who, as he says, the father felt, the in-law, he could have the scholarship, but the daughter, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. But he married the daughter. So he sort of, he says, when he meets Harold Woodman, J.D. Washington. He's brilliant. J.D.? Yeah. Oh, how beautiful is J.D. Washington. I, and I, and I, worked, I, I worked to help him with Black Klansmen because I loved the picture and I did a few events for them. Yeah. That's how I met him. And I met his work and I met him. He's a beautiful soul, a very uh, singular soul uh, who brings a tremendous amount of um, specific strength and steadiness that he's been required to have in his life, but also a vulnerability and a warmth uh, that when, you, when it opens up, it's like the sun comes out, Yeah, as he says. Sorry, I just... No, that's okay. No, man, that's, everything's a big digression. <laughs> so that's how life is. That's how writing is. That's how music is. So and then you find, you find the song. <laughs> so um, he, he says, uh, are you the kind of doctor who's going to let us bleed out? Are you the kind of doctor who's going to let me die? Or am I going to have to shoot you in the back? <laughs> and Christian says, uh, I am half Catholic, half Jewish, the son of the mechanics from upstate, unfashionable upstate. And I think my in-law sent me here to get rid of me. (laughs) And he goes, wow, that all sounds pretty good, except the in-laws part, but maybe that's why I can trust you. And Chris Rock makes this great face at that moment. He's like, he goes, because it's quite a mouthful for Christian to have said, but it means, wow, this guy, but it's also being impressed that this guy's like us. Mm. He's an outsider, yeah. and he and he's, he knows. So we got to look out for each other, and that forms their pact. We got to make sure we don't die, and 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 not only here, but after this, mm. let's carry on after this. And so that's their bond. That then Margot Robbie comes into. Margot Robbie takes the metal out of them, literally. Imagine, and they're both hit by the same blast. So they're both. She just peels their shirts open, and you see this metal, which is why would the world do that? Which is a great question, the question of the century. Why would, and she takes every bit of metal out of them, and then she keeps it. They're watching her. They think she's French. Like, who's this incredible French woman who's taking the metal out and telling the other nurses, the other nurses to buzz off? You know, and when they're telling her, you have to throw the metal out, the bloody metal. She says, no, I'm keeping it. It's none of your business why I'm keeping it. And they're thinking, who is she? She's hit them up each with morphine so they can get through the pain. And then it's, who is she? She's a force of nature. Why is she keeping the metal? Right? And then they ask her, or Harold does. She says, well, you don't get that for free. You have to trade me something. <laughs> yeah. This is who she is, this force of nature. And there were many women like this who left their families to go participate in the adventure of the world in Europe. I love that she's based on an amalgamation of real women. I read that. You know, yeah. The character is based, you know, yeah. she's a... She's a morphine of, of real women that exists because I feel like, oh, my God, she's such a great character on screen. I've never seen someone like that for, you know, I can't remember the last time I have. And Margot's performance is so beautiful and so kind of nuanced and delicate but powerful and colourful and honest. I just think it's great. I've not seen a female character like that in a, in a while. Well, she's a great force of nature. And my wish, Edith, is always to take the band members I'm fortunate to play with. <laughs> and we did feel like a band. Yeah. 
And in the, in the movie, really, the structure of the screenplay, which I did write 14 drafts of, which I had to be reminded of by Christian because he has them in his kitchen cupboard. <laughs> He'd go, 14, mate, 14. And they would sometimes, and I could do it all as a novel because there was a lot we didn't, we wished we could have put in the movie. But it's, So I want every actor to be seen as you've never seen them before. Absolutely. That's the fun of the, of the experience. It's like, wow. Mm. Even when I did The Fighter, wow, that's Christian Bale. Right. So yeah. in this picture as well, as Christians in our my third time uh, making a character that you say, wow, yeah. that's him. And Margot, to see you, Margot Robbie, as you've never seen her before. Absolutely. And John David Washington, to see him as you've never seen him before. So Margot, to, I always saw her in that black hair, um, a, a sort of a art cousin of Georgia O'Keeffe and Merritt Oppenheim. Who made this very subversive art, mm-hmm. uh, the first women's art admitted to the Museum of Modern Art in the day that was considered so subversive, Edith, it could only be viewed upon private appointment until the 1960s, some of it. That's bonkers, because it's not that long ago, really, to yeah. think that, to consider that that was the... When you, when you, make, a teacup, you make a teacup out of shrapnel, why must we limit this? <laughs> Can, 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 You've can, got can, other can, people can, to talk no, no, to. We're no, still no, talking. No, though, don't, just... no, you don't let that schedule push us. <laughs> this, this is the real deal here. Can't we just? Can't we just? How long is the show? How long is the podcast? Don't worry, we got it. We got it. I'm going in here. Just, I want to ask about. No, no, no. But I got a lot to okay. talk to you about. Okay, so I've gone off topic. I've gone off the music. No, no. So, but so we'll, can, can't we keep talking? We can. We got. Okay. Yeah, we got a few minutes. No, no, more. So, 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 so you and because you always go deep. Sorry, yeah, so, yeah no, I get no, carried no, away. No, no, you and I both. So we, we'd be a four-hour show. So, so because it's out of enthusiasm, though. And what you said about listening to music to change your mood, I will also do with scenes from movies that I've memorized. So I'll memorize scenes from certain movies I love that I could do because you do those scenes and they make you feel like, yeah, I'm going to go through the day now. Like, oh, right? that's I'm, nice. I'm going to get up and go because the scene is so much fun to do. I could do a few for you, but we're getting it to the music. So Margot, as you've never seen her, the nonsense song in French. Yeah. Uh, the songs in Bert's office, the score by Daniel Pemberton. Why a, Daniel? Okay, Daniel. I met Daniel at the Being the Ricardos, which I thought was a beautiful film because uh, I, I loved it and I had been offered to direct it. And when I saw it, uh, I said, wow, Aaron Sorkin, you did it so well. And he said, oh, but I asked you several times to do it. And I said, well, I'm here to say... I made a mistake. And I'm also, I'm also here to say I've now, I've now seen uh, the film that is so beautiful. And I met Daniel mm-hmm. at one of these events that we would have with Javier Bardem and Nicole Kidman and, and Aaron. And uh, Daniel, we were sort of, sort of destiny. We were fated to work together because I met him and we kind of clicked. He's a very passionate, particular person. He's deep passion, that man. I, I, I love someone who has a hunger and an appetite that they'll chase down. Tom Jones. They'll chase down an artist. They'll chase down Adele. They'll do everything in the name of finding their music. Mm -hmm. And this music he wrote, he saw the picture and he immediately connected with it emotionally. And he said, I wish I could imitate his accent. Um, I'll do it badly so I won't to insult (laughs) out of respect for the United Kingdom. So he, he said, I know exactly what I'd like to do. And and I'd like to send you a demo for free. And if you like, and no, you very rarely are told this by a composer. <laughs> they're, they're like, sign, sign the number, <laughs> yeah. and then, then we'll figure out if we get the music. <laughs> and, so, and so he, he said, no, I'll give you, and me and Christian said, 
Okay. He said, it's an idea that's never been done before, and it's all woodwinds. And I think that it can work for this movie in very many respects in terms of the intrigue and conspiracy and murder, as well as the love mm -hmm. and the delight and the party that's in the movie. Yeah. And, and the funniness, the comedy that comes out of people not trying to be funny. They're mm -hmm. just funny because of who they are. His music is this incredible bed that allows the movie to be all those things. Because when you're doing something that is sort of an epic story that covers so much and so many layers to it, and there's so much history we could talk about, Edith, that's in the picture as well. There's so many layers to the story. The music gives you the propulsive ride with these, and I'd never heard a score like this. Christian and I said, wow, it's actually, we put it up with the picture with Jay Cassidy, our remarkable editor, who makes the film as much as Chivo does in post, as much as the designers do, Judy Becker, J.R. Hawbaker, uh, our costumer, uh, every department, uh, hair, Laurie McCoy Bell, who was here with the BAFTA for uh, American Hustle, yeah. um, uh, Nana Fisher, makeup, I mean, to make Margot as stunningly gorgeous and these guys with their effects makeup on their backs and on their faces and the scars they bear that are cool but real that's chris gallagher and others this beautiful score comes in and it just works we put it against the picture and we said wow you know sometimes the movie tells you yeah. movie tells you what it needs and you put things in the movie and the movie will spit it out like a creature will go <laughs> no <laughs> you say but i thought this was good the movie says, i said no. And so the movie, at a certain point, if, takes on a life of its own as a creature and starts telling you what it wants yeah, and what it's going to be. And the movie said yes to Pemberton's unique idea. 
from that demo then that he sent you, is it a kind of constant conversation about where you need music? Because where you don't need music is as important as where you do need music, you know, in terms of letting whatever's on screen breathe and have its time and its tone and its feeling and emotion. Is that a constant thing in terms of that demo that he sent you to, what we end up, and also that incredible end piece of music at the closing credits with Drake and is it Gibeon? That's kind of like stops you in your tracks as well. And you're like, oh, wow. And it just works so, it's like an extension of how you felt in the film. I can't say it any better than you do. <laughs> yes, you can. No, it was a, it was a, that's what's so fun. You got to say some good stuff. And, and, and so you're, you're a pro. I mean, no, you're, you're exactly correct. You do have to pick exact. It's a long conversation and process yeah. where you're going back and forth about how do we. It's like any art, you know. You know, sometimes a song comes out just boom, perfect, and sometimes you have to keep working on it and crafting it like yeah. a painting. And so th- that is true. We had to figure out where did the music belong, where didn't it belong, where was it wrong, where do we want it more propulsive and more energetic, where did we want it to be more more heavy, you know, and that was a long conversation and a collaborative conversation with Daniel, who, who, was, who came to Los Angeles uh, a couple times, has this incredible music editor, Robin Bainton. Robin Bainton, what a collaborator of mm-hmm. a music editor. He was with us all the way through the final mix. And a, wonderful, and a wonderful guy who was able to do the bidding of his composer, but also be the intermediary with us mm-hmm. and, and make it a happy marriage. And he was tireless in his happy attitude about doing that. Because you can be partisan and make it a drag, but he made it a dream. So that process, and yes, Drake coming in. Drake's a producer on the picture yeah. because he grew up with Matthew Budman, our producer that grew up together in, in Toronto from very young age. And uh, so Drake, uh, we did all pre-production and, and meetings in Drake's office in West Hollywood. We were hoping the whole time that he was going to make some music for us. And there was a song that Daniel had started to work on that the mighty Tom Jones had even worked on, that, uh, and I love him so much. But as I told you, the te- film tells you what it wants. Absolutely. So it's not, it's not me, with Sir Tom, it's, it's the... Yeah. So in came Drake with Giveon, this incredible singer. and they, voice. A, a, a stunning voice that captures, as you said, the emotion of the film, to go, that is the emotion of the movie, and, and came together with the, the beautiful credit sequence where every actor gets their portrait in this collage form that Margot Robbie's character has created with Linda Sterling, the British artist here, Mm -hmm. and Judy Becker, our designer. The time We had together I 
love every character getting that yes. as that song is playing. I think that his voice, the way that really resonated with me, because within the film, there's parts of the score that have got voice in them that has voice in it as well and it almost feels the like fa the faro yeah, for so example it feels like the kind of the linear kind of through to that in a way we have du Samont, which is a beautiful french song mm -hmm. when he has his love when christian has uh, his love moment with zoe saldana she's so beautiful oh boy and she's such a presence and that's and you have a moment of <laughs> coup de foudre as the french say right bolt of lightning that they fell in love he finally got his mm -hmm. Because you know, the movie is also about love. Yeah. And I can safely say that half the population is always trying to figure it out. It's, I'm statistically backed, I believe. So, <laughs> you know, Christian's that character mm -hmm. for me who's always trying to figure out what, how is it eluding me? What am I missing? Yeah. My marriage is somehow a strange marriage that we're, we're missing each other as much as we're wanting each other. It's not, it's not connecting. Yeah. And when he connects with Zoe Saldana, it clicks. <laughs> Andrea Riesborough, the glorious Andrea Riesborough, who we all knew was going to be an incredible soloist and harmonist in our band. Because as you unfold the layers of the movie, which are layers of Valerie's, Valerie Vose's identity, yeah. Margot's identity, we didn't know she knew intelligence spies, Mike Myers and Mike Shannon, who of course are birders. I want a spin-off film. Exactly. I agree with you. Those guys, every time you're with those guys, and it, and it suggests she belongs to this very large world. Oh, this family she belongs to with Rami Malek and Anya Taylor-Joy. We didn't know this about her either. And these guys are a whole other world. And then you eventually get to, uh, uh, where was I headed with this? There was another world they were headed towards. Every layer of, their, every layer of the world they, they unfold. Uh, there was, was, it, was it music we were talking about? We were talking about kind of how things have... Oh, the songs, the songs. Yeah. So Du Samant, Zoe Saldana. That's another world in Bert's office, his uptown office, right, where suddenly this moment happens and no, there are no words except for the singer, you know, mm -hmm. uh, this French singer. Yeah. Which is just so amazing. It's from an old period. It's an amazing song. And you have Fado, the music of the ports of the world, the, the, the Portuguese, which is like a music of dock workers yeah and that plays uh, that was a very big inspiration for us when we were shooting some of these scenes because it has such a soulful particular sound Does dovetail with the singing of the characters, 
Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington in French or English, and Drake's composition with Pemberton and the singer Givion. Mm. You're right, it all flows together. Yeah. Two things that you mentioned that make me think of this even more. You mentioned Jack Nicholson earlier, and you also mentioned about films that were kind of like period but telling contemporary stories, Chinatown. Yes. Is that an important reference to this film? Yeah. I would say we were inspired by The Sting and Chinatown, and both those films are in some way consummate 70s movies, which always inspire me. Yeah. But they're also, and they're period pictures, but they don't feel like period pictures. Absolutely. They feel very immediate and alive. Mm-hmm. And it took people, and I saw that as a teenager, Chinatown, and I didn't, I, and I was in love with it. And people said to me, 10 years later, someone older said, you know, that's about water and the, and the creation of Los Angeles. I said, what? I said, how did I miss that? And then I, and then I went back and I said, well, then what was it that I loved about Chinatown? How did I connect with it? And it was the attitude and personality of Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Their characters were ferociously fun and funny, yet nobody's fool, independent, very independent, mm-hmm. had gone through some tough times. You could feel the sadness in them mm-hmm. that, they did, that they were trying to stay away from. And you could feel that they they would face anything in an independent way, which is also a weakness because you might get your ass handed to you, you know. You know, and, and, and that's why and that's why that picture becomes a tragedy. Our picture teeters on the edge of that, but is ultimately a victory. Mm. At the same time, it's telling you shocking truth history that we were nobody knows. It's a great thing for a filmmaker to have history that people don't know yeah and it's like a, it's like a plutonium that you're like you're, this is mind-blowing and we're going to back into it imagine backing into it that's how it's lived isn't it you don't know you don't know what's coming you don't you don't know and then all of a sudden you're in this personal situation you turn around and you say oh my god what's this what's this vast vast insane situation we're in that the world you know so it's reacting to it yeah i'm responding to it listen yeah. i'm going to get my ass it's sort of, you know, kind of delivered to me. In a what does second. that if mean? I don't what does she mean, Because you, you got to go somewhere no, else. No, well, I'm hosting your premiere tonight, so but you've Love got hurts. I'm sorry. Love hurts. That's, that's a Margot Robbie line. She says, <laughs> I wish. She, she yeah. says, she says, I wish I didn't know what he said. Stop recording you, mate. She says, she says, I wish I didn't know what it was because it hurts too much. Remember when she says that? Yeah. See, all interviews should be this. Well, you've got two more of me tonight. I wanted to bring Eddie in. Oh, do I? I'm doing the premiere. I'm doing the Q&A after as well. Oh, yeah. That makes me so happy. Yeah? Good. We okay. couldn't meet with you the best.
from Daniel Pemberton's score to Amsterdam. That's the title track rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Mr. David O'Russell. Now, I should apologise. I did at the time, but if they're listening, any of the crew or the timekeepers or, in fact, the, the film company who were kind of like, please, can you wrap them? He's got another 405 interviews to do. So huge apologies but I had an absolute ball. Before I tell you who we've got lined up next week, a quick word from our friends at Harry's who are not just masters of the perfect shave, but also perfect skincare. And in case you don't believe me, on either count, they're giving you the chance to try their products for no more than the price of delivery. So for £3.95, uh, someone comes to your door laden with gifts. You get a five-blade cartridge crafted by artisans in Harry's German factory, a precision trimmer, foaming shaving gel and travel blade cover, as well as a hydrating night lotion, which is alcohol-free and contains no sulfates, parabens or dyes. Sounds like a pretty good present idea to me. Christmas is coming up, guys. Why not start your free skincare journey by redeeming a free Harry's trial set? All you pay, as I said, is £3.95 for delivery. Head to harrys.com forward slash sounds to get your free trial set and night lotion delivered to your door. That's harrys.com forward slash sounds. My huge thanks again to David for taking the time to talk to us Amsterdam. It's on general release now and is an absolutely fantastic way to spend a couple of hours. Go and get yourself to a cinema now. It's actually, remarkably, the first time David has joined me on Soundtracking specifically. But if you head to edithbowman.com, you'll be able to find my previous conversations with Daniel, as well as every single other episode of the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And why not send an email to info at edithbowman.com about anything whatsoever. It could be about some guests you want to see. You might have been to see Amsterdam and want to tell us what you think. Get involved. Info at edithbowman.com. I'll be back next week with more conversation around film and music. I hope you can join me then. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>